Hi, and welcome to Get Growing, the Minnesota Hemp Association's podcast exploring hemp news, business, and industry leaders. This is Joe Rodinovich, and I'm the president of the association. In today's episode, I spoke with Sarah Keetzer, an MHA board member and founder of Journey Organics. Sarah and her husband grow hemp in Blue Earth County and sell organic CBD products online and at retail locations. Sarah gives a great primer on the endocannabinoid system, as well as digs into various forms of ingesting CBD. With that, let's turn to my conversation with Sarah. Sarah, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and kind of what you're working on in the hemp space? Sure, Joe. Thanks for having me. Uh, My name is Sarah Keetzer, and I am the founder and owner of Journey Organics, um, which was founded in September of 2018. Um, Journey Organics is a CBD dedicated retail store. We opened our first location in Mankato, Minnesota in November of 2018. And we um, expanded our operations to uh, Fairmont, Minnesota as well in January of 2019. Um, Also, my husband and myself and our farming partners grew eight acres of hemp for CBD production uh, last growing season. And we'll be doing some CBD and CBG uh, this year for hemp farming. Excellent. And so how, how was it that you uh, became interested in the topic of hemp and in cannab- cannabinoids? And, uh, and tell me a little bit about, you know, what you see um, your role being in this industry. Um, I actually struggled um, for many years with fibromyalgia symptoms. Um, fatigue and some arthritis in a knee that I had injured um, and had had surgery on. I also had some uh, foot issues as well. Um, With the fatigue, that was really the reason why I started using CBD and really took an interest at all in the hemp space. Um, I had tried many other things. I've had sleep studies and everything checked out okay. I just, after nine hours of sleep, I felt like I hadn't slept all night. Uh, somebody close to our family was selling CBD products and I was pretty skeptical to begin with. Um, but, um, my, my background is as a dental hygienist. And so I've had, you know, biochemistry and pharmacology and physiology and all of these, um, classes that help me, I guess, dig through the research when there is a new product and try to digest and understand that information. And after researching, um, I couldn't see any reason not to try CBD for some of the inflammation and things that I was dealing with. And I took a leap in May and started it with myself, Uh, had really great results, fatigue improved uh, within just a few days, the pain relief um, with the knee and the foot um, took a little longer, a couple of weeks. Um, But my husband and I have two children and our youngest daughter was born with a very rare condition called generalized vascular and lymphatic abnormalities. Uh, She has a large mass in her abdomen that was giving her pain and lymphedema in her right foot. Uh, We decided after consulting with doctors at Mayo Clinic to try CBD with her um, since a lot of what she struggles with is an inflammatory component. And uh, we kind of had their blessing to give it a a try. And within just a few um, weeks, she had shown great improvement. And that just uh, was the aha moment to dig in deeper still. And then we became hemp growers shortly after. So So that story, I think, is uh, representative of what we hear a lot about there, which is that uh, people have 
you know, some sort of uh, issue health-wise, uh, maybe varying in severity. Um, and they've tried other things and they've tried testing and diagnostics and some of those traditional means hadn't addressed the issue. Um, as you pointed out, doctors at the Mayo Clinic, um, you know, in consultation with you, uh, recommended the potential of CBD. And I think the, the conversation we want to get into to, uh, here today is kind of an overview of understanding the basic terms and basic ideas a person might want to if they're looking at CBD as a potential, um, uh, a potential benefit to their lives uh, or as something that they can, um, you know, uh, potentially learn more about. And so I'm going to ask you to kind of define some of these terms. We've got uh, cannabinoids, endocannab uh, endocannabinoid system. Uh, you know, what, 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 what do we need to know here to start this conversation? Absolutely. Um, you know, working in the retail space and, and working with customers, um, you know, that have various health uh, symptoms and issues going on, you know, ultimately, uh, I think just human nature, we want to know the why and the how, you know, how does CBD work uh, with various ailments? And, you know, part of getting into that discussion, like you said, Joe, is, is you know, defining what we're talking about to begin with and then moving on to um, method of action, I guess. Um, you know, cannabinoids are compounds that activate cannabinoid receptors in our bodies, um, in the mammalian body, um, you know, obviously very commonly found in cannabis and hemp, um, but also found in, in other plants, interestingly enough. Um, so some of the other plants where cannabinoids-like molecules can be found is sunflower, echinacea, black, truff black truffles, excuse me, black pepper, uh, cacao. So, and some of those in that list, you know, are things that we've used over the years to, to have some health benefits. Oh. And, um, you know, endocannabinoids are actually um, neuromodulator modulatory, excuse me, chemicals that our bodies uh, create that work like neurotransmitters in our body's endocannabinoid system. So we have cannabinoids, which is just a group of compounds uh, that are found in hemp and other plants. And we have endocannabinoids made in the body. Um, and the cannabinoids found in plants can also be um, referred to as phytocannabinoids. And then our endocannabinoid system is a system of endogenous neuromodular neuromodulator, excuse me, chemicals in their receptors found in the mammalian brain and all throughout the body. So not just human body, but other mammals as well. Yeah. And so this is, um, you know, I think relatively new uh, to a lot of people, right? I mean, you know, a lot of us, I think, noticed CBD starting to show up on shelves maybe a couple of years ago, maybe, a, you know, maybe a few years beyond that. Uh, and I know that people who maybe followed some of the medical um, marijuana conversations across the nation have you know, heard of like Charlotte's Web and stuff like that. But what's the, what's the history timeline on this? When, when have we learned about it and you know, where are we at now in terms of what we understand about this material? Right. Uh, there is you know, actually a lot of research out there right now. Um, the kind of earliest recognition of the endocannabinoid system really came out of Israel uh, with Raphael Macholam, and he discovered in the late 80s uh, the CB1 receptor in the body, and then a few years later discovered the CB2 receptor, um, and a few years after that, early 90s is really when the endocannabinoid system was given a name and identified. Um, you know, there, there are a lot of um, research 
articles from very well-respected scientific peer-reviewed journals from around the world. Um, one of my favorite resources on, on that scientific data is the NCBI website, which is part of the National Institute of Health. Um, NCBI stands for the National Center for Biotechnology Information. And if you go on to that website, you can literally type in, you know, CBD for inflammation, CBD for pain, um, CBD for anxiety, sleep disorders. Um, there's, you know, well over 10,000 peer-reviewed research articles there. Um, one thing that we are lacking um, in the scientific research is really a lack of human clinical trials. Um, there have been plenty of, of trials with um, rats and mice and, and other animals, but because of the laws, you know, until most recently surrounding hemp and the cannabis uh, industry in the United States and in other countries, uh, it's been very difficult to execute, um, you know, really those peer-reviewed, double-blind clinical trials that we rely upon and, and our government agencies rely upon. Yeah, that's really, um, I think, cut down on the amount of scientific data that's been available. Uh, is there any other research that, you know, we should be aware of? Um, or do you want to talk about a term that I've heard uh, here a little bit? It's called bioavailability. And I think that that's something that might come up uh, when, when people talk to, you know, a local uh, retailer about CBD. What does that mean and, and why is that important? Sure. Um, well, to, to answer the first part of your question, uh, you can go on to Amazon and look up, you know, to find books on CBD and cannabis medicine. Um, a few that I have uh, really enjoyed and relied on as reliable sources. Um, one of them is written by Leonard Lineau, I believe is how you say his name, and it's titled uh, CBD, The Healing Without the High. Uh, that's a great resource. Another is uh, Cannabis Medicine, A Guide to the Practice of Cannabinoid Medicine, uh, which is written by Dr. David Bierman. He's well known in the industry. And another titled book that I um, have relied upon is Medical Cannabis with Michael H. Moskowitz, who is also a doctor. And he, he also wrote the foreword and collaborated with Dr. Lino, or Leonard Lino, I don't, I don't believe he's a medical doctor, um, on, on the CBD healing about the high. So those are some good resources outside of the website that I previously mentioned. Um, and then regarding the bioavailability. So um, this is something that is um, you know, very much an integral part of all of our pharmacological studies. Um, defined bioavailability as the proportion of a drug or other substance which enters the circulation when introduced into the body and so is able to have an active effect. So, you know, simply put, it's just the portion of a drug or supplement that your body can actually use. Um, we know that CBD is lipophilic, so it's fat-loving, it's fat-soluble. Um, that's why commonly CBD tinctures and uh, many CBD products are dissolved in a carrier oil or a fatty substance like beeswax, um, because that is just the natural behavior of the CBD molecule. Um, what presents an issue for the human body is as many of us know, we are mostly water. And so CBD in its natural state, um, when taken and digested orally, uh, doesn't have the greatest absorption in the stomach and digestive tract just because of that um, fat-loving, fat-soluble nature. And if you start kind of talking about pharmacokinetics, it's how drugs 
move and work in the body. And CBD is considered a class two drug. And the, this class, which includes you know, many other um, pharma, pharmacological agents as well, has very low solubility. And the definition then relates directly to how you know, CBD and other class two drugs dissolve in water and thereby can be used by our body. Um, it's, it's, you know, often termed the first pass effect or first pass digestion or first pass metabolism, um, which is just, you know, a, a nature of drug metabolism whereby the concentration of a drug, specifically when administered orally, is greatly reduced before it can actually reach uh, systemic circulation. So it's basically the fraction of the drug lost during the process of absorption, which, you know, is kind of related to our liver and our, our gut wall. Um, so, you know, there's lots of different products on the market, you know, as we're aware, and those taken orally, um, if not, you know, formulated or certain techniques being used to increase that bioavailability, we're not really getting the maximum benefit. Uh, we uh, talked a lot about bioavailability uh, bio and what it is. Uh, can you tell us why it's so important to people uh, looking at CBD products? Sure, it's actually just a very important uh, pharmacological, you know, known fact with any you know medication or supplement. So our, you know, a drug or a supplement is only as effective as how much our body can use. And so, um, if you have a, a substance or a compound that is not naturally soluble, cannot be easily absorbed by the body, um, you know, you may take a thousand milligrams, but truly only absorb ten to twenty percent of that. And so, you know, in the, in the hemp and CBD space, we are, you know, really trying to um, find ways to make CBD more bioavailable. Um, you know, there's different techniques now on the market that um, have uh, produced water-soluble CBD, either with, you know, nanoemulsion technology um, or even micro-encapsulation um, are just a few examples. And that just, you know, converts CBD to a more absorbable product when it's taken orally. Um, and, but they aren't unique to only CBD. Why do people use CBD? And, you know, how is that related to the endocannabinoid system and the actions that it controls in the body? I mean, tell us more, you know, about what's really going on there. Sure. Uh, CBD, you know, kind of drawing from that book that was written by Leonard Lionel, um, the research that we do have currently indicates that CBD has some of these following properties. So um, anxiolytic, which is an anxiety reducer, um, anti-inflammatory, pain relieving, um, it improves serotonin levels in the body, uh, which is our bliss molecule, our happy hormone. Um, it helps with you know, sleep and just really balancing out the endocannabinoid system. Um, you know, autoimmune, our immune system, of course, is you know, integral to us, you know, remaining healthy, staying healthy. Um, but unfortunately, at times, chronic and underlying inflammation really can work against the health of our body if our immune system um, is kind of running unchecked. It's creating a lot of cytokines, which are inflammatory chemicals. And CBD has been shown to kind of help block the action of cytokines. So people that struggle with autoimmune disorders um, are finding some relief there because it's bringing some balance back to the immune system, helping it to function optimally. 
and um, you know there's receptors all throughout the body in our central and peripheral nervous system, organ system, skin, and you know the research that we have to date really shows us that um, the endocannabinoid system could you know, very well be one of the most important body systems that we have, really having its finger in literally every function throughout the body. And so, you know, we've talked about bioavailability. We've talked about why people might use CBD. Um, I know that there are a ton of CBD products out there right now. Can you kind of just go through, you know, what some of them are, why you might choose one over the other, and if there are additional CBD products that you expect to see in the future? Sure. Um, you know, I think most commonly people are familiar with uh, CBD oil tinctures. Um, that really was the first product I was exposed to and is, you know, just a very common um, modality to take CBD. Um, so those are taking the CBD compound, putting them in that, you know, uh, carrier oil of some sort, uh, which allows for, you know, the CBD to kind of dissipate in that formulation. We take that underneath our tongue sublingually, absorb the CBD there for maximum benefit. Um, you know, there are also uh, capsules with, you know, CBD, whether it's isolate powder um, that can be taken. There are soft gels, um, which is a product that I carry. That's a very popular product. Uh, it's, it's kind of hitting the easy button as far as taking your CBD supplements for the day. Um, soft, go ahead. No, I was sorry. I was uh, just saying these uh, soft gels. Tell me more about them. Sure. So the CBD soft gels have been formulated to be water soluble. So they've used nano emulsion technology, um, which has um, made the, the CBD molecules much smaller. And then also um, through that technology, um, relying back on what we were talking about earlier, just allows for better absorption um, for a CBD product taken orally. And they're very popular because with CBD oil tinctures, there's some trial and error, and I always tell my customers there's patience in the process. Um, you know, oftentimes you want to start low, low dose with the tinctures and work your way up until you're noticing uh, symptom relief. And oftentimes tinctures are um, more than once a day, whereas I'm finding with customers that have kind of maybe started with the tincture and then they've gravitated to the soft gel for just easier. Um, um, practices for taking their CBD, I guess, uh, they oftentimes can take that just one time a day and, and you're not thinking about it, you're not counting drops or, um, you know, worrying about absorption with the oil. We talked a little bit about some of the um, tinctures and the, you know, the, the, the most common ways, but there are a whole lot of other ways that uh, people, you know, take in their CBD. Um, can you tell us uh, about some of these uh, different modes, including topical um, and anything you think that might be coming up in the future as well that our listeners might be interested in? Sure. So we've covered tinctures, we've covered uh, the soft gels, um, CBD, and other uh, cannabinoid flour is a very popular way for uh, people to use their CBD. It's very fast acting um, when you're you know, absorbing that through inhalation. And we have lots of topical products out there. Our skin uh, has many, many receptors. Um, that can absorb and use the CBD molecules um, for muscle relief or skin conditions, various things like that. Um, and as the industry grows and as you know, more 
um, regulations are loosened here over time as, as we are learning and accepting what hemp and CBD um, and the cannabis market can do for our health and well-being. Uh, we're already starting to see, you know, CBD beverages. Um, there's lots of uh, drink powders available. I carry a couple of different ones myself. Um, so yeah, I, I think the industry is just going to continue to grow. Um, in, and not to mention even, I forgot to mention gummies and edibles. I mean, that's also a very popular product for customers. So one thing, Sarah, that, you know, I'd like to talk about now that we mentioned food a little bit is, you know, we had some processes on our show recently and I asked them about uh, some of the important public policy elements that, you know, they see in their sector of the hemp space. And yeah, as a retailer, I know that, you know, there's all sorts of policy implications from, you know, what you can say about your product to how it has to be labeled to, um, you know, the, the entire CBD food space. I mean, can you tell us more, you know, about what it's like to do business in that type of environment? And, you know, just for you, how you, you know, view some of these and what would be most helpful to, to deal with or to get right going forward for someone in the retail space? Yes, I would say that, you know, in the hemp and CBD space, I think one of the greatest challenges for a retailer is, you know, being able to appropriately educate our customers about, you know, what CBD is all about. Um, as, as many of us are aware, there are very um, stringent uh, limitations and regulations in the industry about the types of claims that we're making based on what CBD can do in the body. Um, you know, tied in with FDA regulation. And so it's a little bit of an industry where you're feeling uh, like you're treading on thin ice all the time, or you, you kind of take a turn and there's a roadblock in place. And that's why the kind of the brick and mortar uh, retail CBD spaces offer such a good benefit for customers because the customer can come in the door, um, have their questions answered, you know, very candidly um, while, you know, respecting the limitations that we do have in the industry, but that face-to-face -face interaction really uh, helps us to more clearly answer and define customer questions. Um, you know, with merchant processing, that's something that we have to be very careful about. Um, you know, what we're talking about on our websites, uh, we're just, we're very limited in sharing and being uh, transparent in written context when it comes to the CBD and, and cannabis space. That makes a lot of sense. So um, you've been, you know, you've been involved with uh, hemp now for a couple of years and you've, I think, you know, seen some pretty interesting uh, situations in that time. Everything from, you know, the passage of the federal hemp bill to um, the situation we've got going on with COVID right now. Um, is there one thing that you wish you knew when you started that you know now? If you could go back and tell yourself in time that, uh, you know, think about this one thing and uh, you'll be better off. Oh, that's a tough one, Joe. Um, you know, I think the, the biggest takeaway that I've learned over the past couple of years is just the, especially in a new industry that's pretty much in its infancy um, here in the state of Minnesota, for sure. You know, maybe other states um, with different laws have a better understanding and and are a little bit more advanced than we were here in Minnesota when the farm bill passed. And I think uh, the most important thing that I've picked up over these past couple of years has just been the value in collaborating with others uh, within the industry. Um, because it is new and uh, kind of wrought with challenges, 
uh, it's important to find others that are really passionate about pushing through some of those roadblocks to ultimately uh, get education out there and serve our customers. I mean, the public demand is there and growing, and I think that there um, is really limitless potential in our future in this space. That's excellent. And uh, here's an easier question then. Um, you, I presume, are still a CBD user. That's you know how you got into this. And what's your favorite, uh, what's your preferred means of uh, CBD intake? Sure. Um, I float between a couple of different products, to be honest with you. Um, you know, there's a certain benefit to um, using a variety of products because our bodies are, are smart, but yet we can become a little lazy. And so, you know, every formulation from, you know, one batch to another is going to have a different set of uh, chemical compounds, whether that's by the terpenes or flavonoids or, um, you know, other minor cannabinoids that might be involved. And so I started off by using the oils twice a day, and um, I typically used a thousand milligram strength or higher, um, as that is usually the most cost-effective and effective um, symptom-wise for customers. And then as uh, I started my business and I was still working at my uh, dental hygiene job, I gravitated towards the, the easy, uh, I moved the soft gels. So I took those in the morning. I didn't have to think about taking them a second time during the day. Um, but I've also uh, really enjoyed some of the water-soluble drink powders, like in my morning coffee, and uh, CBD gummies as well. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Get Growing. Be sure to subscribe to Get Growing wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. We'll be back with new episodes exploring Minnesota's hemp industry soon. In the meantime, you can learn more about the Minnesota Hemp Association at mnhempassociation.org. That's mnhempassociation.org. Thanks again for listening.